It's time for News Talk 720 KDWN's Ask the Expert Hour. Have a question? Call now, 702-257-KDWN. That's 702-257-5396. Welcome to Ask the Experts. My name is Brian Black. I'm speaking to Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Brian. Did you stay out of the rain or did you run outside and play in the rain all weekend? Fortunately, I stayed out of the rain. My wife had a lot of honeydews for me. We did it in the morning, but by the afternoon we were finished, and then is when it came down. I have a new puppy in the house, and I'll tell you, when you're trying to to train a new puppy, having it rain outside, not good for you, because the puppy won't go outside. And it's just, (laughs) there was a lot of work. I'll just say that I I ended up doing a lot of work this weekend. So um, it's funny, off the air we were talking about, uh, right before the show started, I've been having suit trouble. I uh, wear suits for work. I'm required to wear suits uh, when, when the weather is permitting, and uh, we were talking about uh, the, the decision that everybody has to make whenever they buy anything, whether they buy something that costs a lot more at the beginning and will last a long time, or whether they decide to um, buy the cheaper item at the beginning because of the, the low cost at, the, at the, the outset. I knew an engineer, a radio engineer one time, who only bought cheap tools, and I've never met any other tradesman, craftsman, engineer, mechanic that would buy cheap tools on purpose, but he swore that over the long term, he would rather buy a new screwdriver every year than buy a $50 screwdriver just once. Now, have you ever heard that kind of philosophy? Well, I I have, but uh, I think in the long run, sometimes it can be a little more expensive to buy the least expensive item on the on the shelf. Well, you know, and I think that uh, it kind of translates into what we always talk about here, uh, as far as estate planning and planning for your future and and taking care of your family, taking care of your finances, and avoiding costs that may not be so obvious at the outset. Uh, if you do it right the first time and uh, you invest in in quality, then in my opinion, it pays off in the long term. It generally does, but uh, oftentimes. Uh things change when you're when you're doing your long-term planning. Absolutely. The conditions of the law might change. The uh, the people involved might change. You will change, undoubtedly. Your thinking changes. Absolute. Your kids change. Exactly. You, you get grandchildren. You Right. Your favorite child might uh might not be your favorite child 20 years from now. <laughs> so, and uh, politics may be different. <laughs> absolutely. Everything is subject to the conditions of the world. And last week we talked about uh, trusts. And, you know, trusts are something that we often refer to in the course of estate planning because usually if you want to exert your will over your finances after your passing or after your incapacity, a trust is the way to go. And, um, when you set it up, you have the best intentions, or possibly if one was set up many years ago, there may have been the best intentions behind it, but there are conditions under which you need to change a trust. That's true, and sometimes people will not do trust. They'll just do it with a will, Mm -hmm. and if they've had uh, proper legal um, advice, sometimes a will may be the best best way to go. Sometimes just having a very simple will and then putting assets, uh, title them in a certain way so that uh, you avoid um, administration upon the death of the the owner. There are lots of things that, that come into account when you're doing a plan. Now, I had a person come in the other day and they said, well, they were really afraid that 
they were going to be caught up in the guardianship system. Oh. And they had heard so much about uh, what guardians were doing to the wards and how they were stealing property and mm-hmm. how the guardianship court was allowing this. And and they just went on and on. And, and I went back and they had a will and they had durable powers of attorney. And they had, and this was planning that we did back in the 1990s. Right. And they had... They didn't have any children. They had uh, put their assets uh, with pay-on-death designations. They didn't have a large estate, but they felt that they needed a trust. And I went through it with them again. And here, years later, they think now they need a trust. But again, they didn't need a trust. Right. And so I told them that they really didn't need a trust. What we needed to do is is just go through what they had, make sure that everything was covered, that we minimize the cost of administration upon their demise, Mm -hmm. and take care of the two of them while they were alive, and if one of them died, uh, taking care of the survivor of the two. And it did it just perfectly the way that it was set up. And it was, but it was important at that time for the person to come in and reevaluate what they had done back in the 90s. That's correct. Even though you ended up not making uh, too many substantive changes, uh, they didn't know. They were afraid. They, they were, they, you know, they needed to that peace of mind. That's right. They felt that they needed to amend it. But when we went through it, we found that Everything was set up properly initially. They didn't need to amend it. And so I told them if something did change and uh, something was needed to be done, then come back and, and I could take care of it. And there was no charge for the for the visit. See, that's uh, and that's the great thing about having a family attorney, somebody who has your best interests at heart, somebody that you work with over a long period of time, especially in the area of estate planning. Correct. Uh, you know, it's somebody that, that knows you, it kn- they know your family, they know your situation, and, you know, with, with good luck, they know what was done 10 years ago because they're the ones that did it. That's or correct. Or their firm did it, you know. And uh, so, you know, when we've talked about in the, in the past, we've talked about um, last week, we talked about laws changing. Yes. And, you know, uh, you look at the television, you look at Fox News, you look at CNN, and it's all about taxes. It's all about... Uh, uh, planning for the future. Everybody's worried about Social Security. These are things that, that you know, they're going on in the real world, and your your wills, your trusts, they need to be reflective of the changes that happen, correct? Well, yes. At one time, the real uh, impetus that brought people into trust was tax law. Mm-hmm. And so we did trust to uh, protect their estate and to get as much uh, to the next generation without the payment of taxes. But right. be, because of change in law and the amount of exemption that, of an individual, of five, now 5400000 approximately, right. uh, and with a couple up to 10800000 mm-hmm. without having to pay any tax. So most of the people who had done their planning when their estates were worth uh, uh, th- 3 or $4 million or less, and we had to set up trust to for tax purposes. Now that is not a factor, and right. so they may want to change it around so that it alleviates the inconvenience to the surviving grantor when the first grantor dies. When we come back, we're going to be talking more about amending trusts 
and uh, look, look, just basically reevaluating your plan. If you set up your plan more than 10 years ago, it might be time to visit Brian A. Lowe & Associates. If you have a question for Brian, give us a call on the Centennial Toyota Talk and Text Line. We'll be right back. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720, KDWN. Welcome back. We're talking to Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates. We're talking about amending your wills and trusts as time goes by. If you have a question for Mr. Lowe, please give us a call on the Centennial Toyota Talk and Text Line at 702-257-5396. Of course, it's called the Centennial Toyota Talk and Text Line. You can text us as well with your question. Now, Mr. Lowe, can you give me an example of why... Uh, what, um, no, excuse me. A good example of a time when amending a trust paid off for the person well generally it pays off every time okay. you just don't know uh, how it's paid off until a person dies and the plan works just the way they wanted it to work mm-hmm. if we hadn't have amended it then it would have gone a different way and there would probably be some unhappy campers okay now there was uh, one case where a person came in and he did his estate plan and things were going well he had a small business And all of a sudden, he had an opportunity and wanted to um, make sure that his plan uh, accounted for this opportunity he was getting involved in. Right. And it appeared that it was going to be a very profitable opportunity. And so he had some children, and, and they were young. And so I said, well, if this is really going to be a great opportunity. You're going to make a lot of money on it. Why don't we set it up in such a way that you make a gift to your children's trust right now while it's worth next to nothing? Right. And so we don't have a a gift tax problem. And then if it really gets to be of great value, then the kids will be able to take it without having to pay an estate tax upon your demise. Well, we did that. His estate ended up being in excess of $70 million dollars. And that is if he owned that entire estate. But he had made gifts early in his plan Mm -hmm. where most of that was put off to children and to other people who he called his family. Right. And at the end of the day, his total estate uh, tax was around $400,000. Oh, my gosh. When at the time with the uh, estate taxes that were... uh, being taken by the government was up around 50%. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we were able to pass on uh, close to 70 million at an estate tax cost of only 400,000. And you know, all of this within the letter of the law, this is within the letter of the law, but it takes uh, advanced planning. You don't plan after the person dies. You don't plan uh, 60 days before the death. You plan early enough so that you can take advantage of, of the tax benefits and and passing it off to the to the people that you want to make sure it receives at the least cost. So nobody can see the future, but uh, the the impression that I get over all the weeks that we've talked about this is that your experience allows you to see possibilities and see see things that the average person can't see. Am I correct in that? Well, what I do is I have experience that has been brought about by a lot of classes that I've taken, uh, 35 years of practice, um, uh, continuing education, um, 
and just many, many experiences over the years. Now, I don't bring to the table what the person's situation is. Right. The client brings that in. Right. What I then do is take my background, knowledge, experience, and education and try to use that information in planning their estate in such a way that we can minimize cost, pass it on to the heirs in, in the best way that it's possible. You know, it's... There's a reason it's called a practice, because you keep getting better at it, right? It's just like getting to Carnegie Hall, right? You well, practice. you do get better as years <laughs> go by, as we've all seen. So, you know, when we're, we're looking at uh, an estate plan, you know, we mentioned the example of, you know, in the back in the 90s, uh, your, your exemption was much smaller than it is now. And I would imagine that a lot of people who started setting up their estate plan when they were in their 40s, maybe maybe late 30s. You know, of course, it's never too early to do that. But a lot of people start thinking of their mortality at around that age. They have children that are growing up. They set up an estate plan at that time. Well, that was 20 years ago now. And they might uh, need to have a look at that again and see if, if some things have changed in that, in that time period, correct? And things do change. With most people, it does take some kind of a a change in their plan, right? but not all people. Mm -hmm. And so it's worth a look to see if there is anything that, that has happened in their life right. through the, my questioning and through uh, uh, maybe different uh, look at, at who they want to, uh, uh, to take their estate upon their demise. Right. A lot of different factors. Well, and it might and, not just be the heirs themselves. It might be the executor, uh, the the trustee, correct? And oftentimes it is. They they think that uh, a friend, a business partner, or uh, their accountant, or their lawyer, or uh, a certain child is the best person to be the administrator of their estate, trustee or executor. And over time, they see that the person is retired. They're no longer interested. They... The person has alienated the other beneficiaries, and, right. and it appears that he's not going to be able to get along with those beneficiaries. He can't be trusted. He's done some things, that, or she has done some things that is improper. And so that is a change. And a lot of people that come in, the only thing they do is change who is going to administer their estate well, or you know, trust. We could be talking about poor health as well. Somebody who was robust in their 40s or their, their 60s 20 years ago may not be in a, the condition to handle the stresses of handling an estate after somebody goes by. Yes, and as they get older, they start having dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever, and so they don't have the capacity to do it. And so Absolutely. changes need to be made. You know, we've talked many times about uh, the uh, no good deed goes unpunished rule of uh, managing somebody's estate after they pass away. Uh, it's a tough job. It is a tough job. And there are lots of things that need to be done, decisions that need to be made. And you want to have someone there doing the work that can get along with the beneficiaries, can, can administer it properly, that is honest, and will do it on a timely basis and not just put it off as a something that they will do when time when they have time to do it. And it's not necessarily the smartest person in the room that is the most qualified to do all of those different kinds of things. You know, I mean, you might have a, a relative or a friend that's a, a just a great businessman, but he's not the guy to smooth over emotions after somebody's passed away. It's a, it's a very stressful time. That's correct. And some people, when they get a little power as they... Uh, 
assume they automatically try try to uh, uh, laud that over everyone else, and that can alienate beneficiaries, and people get unhappy, and when people are unhappy, they uh, lawyer up, and now all of a sudden you find a lot of conflict going on in an estate that should never have had any conflict. You know, that's why you spell it out in advance. You know, as far as uh, managing an estate, would you would you recommend always looking at having a professional do it? Or do you, uh, you know what I'm saying, like a, a trustee of an estate, like hiring someone to, to manage the estate, or do you feel like you should go to the family first? Well, I try to find someone in the family first because oftentimes the trustee of a trust has to have familiarity with, with the, uh, the beneficiaries, whether mm-hmm. they're children or parents or whatever. And so you need someone that can put their hand on the pulse of a beneficiary and know what's going on. Uh, oftentimes with uh, institutionalized trustees, they do very well in managing it, even though it may be very conservative management, but they are not all that, uh, they don't do as well when it comes to the personal aspects of of helping out beneficiaries. Last week we had a, uh, you told an interesting story that was was very unfortunate about uh, someone had with, very good intent, put a bank in charge of their estate. Um, And when it came time to start managing that estate, the bank was pretty impersonal when it came to managing the the surviving spouse's income. They were, and and I felt they were a little bit too impersonal and should have taken into account uh, the uh, grantor's real purpose is to take care of the surviving spouse. But, you know, they felt that... uh, uh, they also had the same duty to other beneficiaries under the trust when the when the surviving spouse died. So you know, when basically what we're talking about here is what the original subject is amending trust, amending your will, like looking through every once in a while and seeing if changes needed to be made because things do change. If you have a question for Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe and Associates, please give us a call or a text on the Centennial Toyota Talk and Text Line at 702-257-5396. So, you know, how often should you do this? What's What's a good timetable for looking through your estate plan and seeing if things need to be changed? One, when something comes up, your uh, beneficiaries change or your feelings about beneficiaries or trustees or whatever change or, or you feel like you need to be charitable or whatever, that you should consider right then mm-hmm. and get to the attorney and start talking about how I can make this change. Because oftentimes people say, yeah, this is what I want to do. Next, the following month, they say, yeah, this is what I want to do. I'm, I need to get a hold of the attorney sometime. And they keep putting it off. And then all of a sudden, they become incompetent. We're never able to, to make those changes or they died and we're not able to make the change. So you've heard about this many times. You always hear about, well, I, well, grandpa told me that I get the 1970 Monte Carlo or, or whatever it is, you know, but it's not written down on paper because uh, there's a great commercial out right now. And I'm not, I don't even know who it's for. It's about uh, planning for your retirement. 
and the people are saying, well, we need to plan for our retirement, but they keep coming up with odd jobs that they that are more important at that moment. They got to wash the dog, they got to wash the car. You don't want to put off your estate planning because by the time you really need it, it's going to be too late. It could be too late. If you have a question for Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe and Associates, please give us a call or a text on the Centennial Toyota Talk and Text line at 702 257 5396. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720, KDWN. Welcome back. Brian Black here talking to Brian Lowe of Brian A. Lowe and Associates. And we're talking about maintaining your estate plan through the years. Things change. You may have set something up a long time ago. You may have set something up last year and the conditions of your life have changed. You know, nothing has probably impacted people's lives more than the big bubble burst of 2008. And I'm sure that there were a lot of people who were doing really, really well in 2005 who found themselves in a much different position in 2009. Did that happen a lot with you? Oh, yes. Matter of fact, uh, there's a good portion of those that come are coming in now to amend their estate plans had a sizable estate. And so we planned around an estate plan. Right. Now, all of a sudden, because the bubble bursting they have no estate. So now we have to work back into a no estate plan. Yeah, we're talking insurance. We're talking uh, taking care of debt. A lot of things. And we're, we're talking about uh, long-term care mm-hmm. and what happens when they run out of money. What happens when they really want to pass some, some of those assets, the little assets that they have, off to the next generation and they're looking at long-term care and possible need for governmental assistance. How are they going to put this together and take care of the next generation to some extent and also take care of themselves for the rest of their life? So there's a lot of elder law type of planning that needs to be done at that time. Well, and absolutely. People are living longer today. We've talked about it several times. People are living longer today than they ever have. Um, there, there was a time, you know, my, my grandfather died at 63. My other one died in his early seventies, but, uh, you know, Things change. Medical medical care has changed. The general quality of life has changed. Uh, people's diet and uh, uh, and and general knowledge of health and how to live longer has grown dramatically in the last 30, 40 years. And, you know, it's very realistic for somebody to be 70, 80 years old and need to plan to live another 20 years That's or more. That's correct. Mm-hmm. So when uh, you know, when we're talking about amending your your estate plan, and when we're talking about going back and looking at your your your, you know what you're going to do um, in the United States, you can't inherit debt. That's but correct. Your estate does need to take care of your debt upon your demise. Correct. That is correct. So how do you plan around that? Well, sometimes people have insurance. Sometimes some of the planning comes around the fact that they had bought. Uh, term insurance, let's say level term insurance for 20 years, right. and they thought that they would die during that 20-year period, but then the 20 years runs and they no longer have life insurance. So what do I do? Now I don't have any money to pass on to those children, or I don't have enough uh, money to take care of my debts or whatever. So uh, you start 
making some changes in that plan. Not that it is bad. It's just that is the practical thing to do now. Right. You need to change it because everything that was in your state is no longer there. Or the things that you didn't have in your state are now there and right. you need to plan around it. So things change over time. You need to get to your attorney and uh, review this periodically. Well, I mean, it's just like going to the grocery store. You know, you look at a box of 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 ten items for a certain price. You look at another box of of items for a hundred uh, for a certain price, and you make a decision. Well, which one is better for me? Which is better in the long run? Which is better for my situation right now? Um, it's an equation that balances on both sides. You know, there may be two ways to get to your goal, but you need that advice to see which way is the best way to get to that goal. Correct? Yeah, you should get the advice. So, you know, we've talked about, you know, the, the legal Zooms of the world, and we've talked about the, the online services. Uh, can you really get away with just doing a simple trust online? I'm sure that uh, quite a few can get away with it. Right. Because the way that their trust was drafted up, I mean, the, the, the stock trust, the form trust was drafted up, it was drafted up with the idea of trying to, to take into account as many people as you can. Right. Okay. The, the, a norm. Mm-hmm. But everyone doesn't fall within that norm. And so, you know, for the little money that it takes to come in, really, and talk to an attorney and get the ideas as, as to what needs to be done, it's worth every penny of it. And... Then if the plan needs to be done by an attorney, let the attorney do it. Because at that time, the plan needs to be done by an attorney. If you get just go to, the, uh, to LegalZoom or some other place and pick up a form, you never get the benefit of an attorney who has background knowledge and experience. And you know, I would imagine that many of the estates that you've ended up having to change or amend were people who tried to do it themselves at the beginning, correct? Our feeling is, is if, we, if we ever have to go through litigation mm-hmm. at the end of the day when a person dies, that we failed. And we do not like to fail. We don't like the litigation. We try to take care of everything so that we don't have any litigation at the end of the day. But most of the litigation that comes in is on people who have done their own through some kind of a form. Right. And they really didn't know the, the uh, result of using that form and the impact it was going to have on their estate. And so now... People have lawyered up and said, hey, you know, I have an interest here. I have an interest there, and I want this, and I want that. And the next thing you know, you're off in litigation. I mean, even lawyers don't represent themselves. And <clears throat> I think that it's it's always a good idea to seek the advice of a professional when we're talking about something this important. Um, well, let me give you an example. There, uh, here are two lawyers. They're married to one another, mm-hmm. and they are not uh, estate lawyers. Right. And so they've never, I mean, maybe they've done a couple of simple wills between them, but they haven't done any really real sophisticated estate planning. They get married. One of them dies. Right. And well, while they were, while they were still alive, 
they asked an attorney, could you just give me a, a, some kind of a, a standard trust that, mm-hmm. that we could use as our trust? Right. And they took that trust and just kind of filled in the blanks. Right. Not taking into account what their situation was. And years later, they were looking at their trust document and they said, hey, you know what happens when one of us die? Half of the entire estate goes to the children. Right. Upon our death. This does not do anything for the, for the uh, uh, surviving spouse. And so they decided that night that they were going to terminate their trust. And they tore it up, ripped it up, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And so here are a couple of lawyers that should have known that they should have had good legal advice. And they, they did that. Well, it ended up that uh, the kids found out about a trust that they had uh, when they had the trust. Right. They found a copy of the trust. They brought litigation. And it brought about a bad result. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing. You don't want your family suing each other. So that no. the whole point of this, this whole thing that we're talking about, is to lay out your wishes in advance so that everybody knows what's going to happen. Correct. And to do it in such a way that it's all tied up. When you when you were talking about downloading a form off the internet or rely, relying on your own advice, there's just no reason for it. Why wouldn't you seek out the counsel of someone who knows more about it than you do? Yeah. And as we've talked about many times here on the show on Ask the Experts, this is a free consultation. If you have a plan in place, then, you know, you can go give uh, Brian A. Lowe and Associates a call at 702-259-0002. Come in and you'll review their documentation at no cost, correct? That is correct. If you have a question for Brian Lowe of Brian A. Lowe and Associates, give us a call or a text on the Centennial Toyota Talk and Text Line at 702-257-5396. We'll be right back. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720, KDWN. Welcome back. I'm Brian Black talking to Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates, and we're talking about amending your will or trust. A very interesting example just a few minutes ago, you were talking about a case where two lawyers uh, were married, and they asked for a simple form in order to uh, do a standard trust. What they didn't realize is that right in the text of that standard trust, they uh, half of their estate would be paid to their children on the death of one of the two. They didn't like this, so they decided to tear up the trust. What was their mistake there? Well, being lawyers, and they probably, uh, uh, in their going to law school, took some, uh, uh, some classes on wills and trusts. Mm-hmm. But uh, one thing about a will, you generally revoke a will by tearing it up or by burning it or by making a declaration that you're doing a new will and and uh, uh, so it terminates the old will. And that sounds to me like something that has been carried down for generations. Yes, that yes. sounds like something that's yeah, hundreds that's of years the law. old. Yeah. yeah. And so they probably knew this. And so when they found in this trust that they had signed, and this was a few years after they had signed it, right. they found that it was going half to the children mm-hmm. and they didn't want that. And so in their mind, the best thing to do would be to tear it up and, and burn the, the pieces. And that's what they did. But that's not legal. 
but well, it could be legal, but the the will or the trust that was found it spelled out what they had to do to terminate the trust. Okay, and, and uh, even the language of that trust as to how they could terminate it was at issue, and that was litigated for a while. But it was shown that in order for them to terminate the trust, they had to do more than just tear it up or burn it. They had to write out a declaration, which both of them signed, saying that they were terminating the trust, which they did not do. So even though they were lawyers and had uh, knowledge about how to terminate wills, it didn't carry over into trusts. And so that's what caused their problem. So this litigation that ended up happening among the family, was it after one of them died? Oh, yes. And so the kids discovered that there had been a trust. Yes, they and did. And they hired their own attorneys to, to contest uh, this supposed termination of the trust. And what ended up happening? Did they get the money? Well, it was settled. It's, so it was settled, but your whole family suing each other. And how much did it cost to settle that? Well, th- that is... Uh uh, I, I can't disclose that. A lot? But, but it, it, yes. Okay, so a lot. So you spent a lot of money, you've alienated your family, you've entered into a contentious relationship based on something that you didn't research in the beginning, uh, and you should have known better, honestly. I think you that's known better, yes. what's to take away from that story. When what you could have done is, you, you know, in this situation, you could go seek the advice of a professional and spend a minimal amount of money setting up a trust that does exactly what you want it to do. Yes. Now, in this case, I'm not the one that had done the, the trust. They hadn't come to me and asked for uh, some kind of a trust document because I generally don't do that. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, An attorney may come to me and say, this is the, situ- the facts of my client's situation. Right. Do you have a document that you've, that you've worked with? on with similar fact situation and if so do you mind if i borrow your document right you know taking out the names etc cetera, etc cetera. and so uh, sometimes i have done that but uh, what they should have done when they asked that attorney um, they should have said you do trust would you do a trust for us yes absolutely and let him put his mind into this and ask the questions and make sure that it's drafted up the way they wanted it, not the way somebody else that had had it drafted up for their situation. Right. Well, and, you know, and that's the great thing is that, is, is that if you, you know, a trust, we've talked about this many times over the last several weeks, a trust is a, a, an outline of what you want to happen. You can make it say anything you want to. That's correct. You can you can put any kind of requirements on it. You can you can make it as as uh, airtight or as loose as you want it to be. And really, you know, basically all you have to do is abide by the, you know the law in itself. You can't put anything in there that's illegal or unethical, but you can suit it to your your exact situation. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people will come in and say, "Well, I need a trust," and when they look at the trust, they will say, "Well." In this trust, it looks just like the same as my friend's trust that you did for them. Right. Well, there are lots of things in a trust document. The boilerplate part of it. Mm-hmm. How, how do you administer a trust? What are the trustee's powers? Mm-hmm. What are the definitions uh, mean that you're using in the trust? All of these kinds of things that take up quite a few pages. Right. But the real part of that trust is what there are in the way of assets how those assets are to be administered, who is to receive them, when they are to receive them, 
do you need some asset protection for those people? Or are they people who need long-term care? Are they receiving any kind of Medicaid assistance? All of these factors that come into drafting up the portion of the trust that changes with every trust. So when an attorney does a trust, it's not the same as anybody else's trust. It is their trust. And I would imagine you need to start including contingency plans for changes. That is correct. You, uh, and that's why people will do uh, have an amendable and revocable trust because mm-hmm. as t- things change, then they can come in and make changes. And generally, it's not rewriting the whole trust. I very seldom uh, terminate a trust and start all over with a new trust. I will take an old trust right. and I will restate it the way that they want it now. And so you don't have to uh, re-register assets in the new trust or deed out the properties to a new trust or anything like that. The only thing that changes is the wording of the trust to bring it in line with what their situation is at this point. So uh, outside of taxes, how often does the, the law change? The the actual law that uh, that would affect somebody's inheritance? Does that come up too often? No, it doesn't come up that often, but oftentimes what happens is it's changes in the client's family demographics. Right. Their, um, the relationships with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and their fortunes. Grandchildren come into the picture. Sure. Uh, how those their children are treating their grandchildren. Mm-hmm. If they are spendthrifts and spending all the money and their grandchildren, it appears, may not be able to go to college. I mean, there are just so many things that come up that need to be discussed. And with simple amendments, very simple amendments to a trust, very l- low cost, you can amend this rather than just doing the whole trust. You can amend it to make it the document you want when you die. And what's, uh, you know, I can't stress this enough. We say it every week, and it's absolutely true, is that if you have documents in place, you have a will, you have an estate plan, you, and if you have any doubt in your mind that it's not exactly what you want it to be or that whether things have changed, you can bring those documents to Brian A. Lowe and Associates, and they'll review those documents at no cost to you. I mean, it's a free consultation, correct? That is correct. And you can make recommendations for changes, and the, the greatest thing about this is that uh, you you have no personal vested interest in this. You know, it's not your brother-in-law looking over it. It's somebody who has a critical eye and a lot of experience who can look at your documentation and tell you, well, you know what, considering what you've told me, this might not be the best plan for you. You know, this, you know, if you leave this large amount of money to your sister-in-law, then she's not going to be able to receive governmental benefits and she's just going to eat up all of that money and it will have gone to waste. Things like that are very important when it's talk, when you're talking about an estate plan. And also with uh, giving it to someone, they, they say, well, uh, my son Frank is, uh, has a certain problem. He's a spendthrift, so I'm going to give it to my sister Jane right. and I'll just let her take care of him the way she feels is necessary. The only problem is she never thinks that Jane will ever die. Right. And so she gives everything to Jane. Jane passes away or Jane doesn't like Frank. Right. And uh, so she spends it herself because the trust says it, everything go, everything to Jane. And if if you want something done and make sure that it works, it, you should document it, and it should be in writing. Well, and you said it a little while ago when we were talking about the, the trustee of an estate. Uh, the, one of the worst things that you can give somebody is power. 
uh, you know, it's, you know, especially in an emotional time like after your your parents have passed away, if you give all the power to one sibling and that person's not emotionally equipped to handle that power, bad things can happen. It can. You know, especially when you're giving the entire estate and saying, oh, well, you know, you just take care of Frank. Well... You might start being a jerk to Frank, or you might, you know, there might be some longstanding resentment, or there might be, or on the other side, she might be too soft on Frank and give all the money to him anyway. You know, there's That's just, true. if you have certain opinions about how you'd like your estate handled, you need to write them down and put it in the will, in the trust. It should be in the document. And, and make sure that you're, you know, you're doing what you intend to do. <laughs> Sorry, I, I think that kind of wrapped it up there, didn't it? <laughs> anyway, we're talking to Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe and Associates. Uh, we've got about one minute left. If you had one more piece of advice for somebody who has documentation in place, has a will, has a trust, what would you say to them right now? I would say that uh, periodically you should bring it into a lawyer if you want me to take a look at it because I will do it at no charge and if there's anything that needs to be done I will spell out what needs to be done and if they want me to do it then I will do it otherwise there's no charge or go to their own lawyer and make those changes but you should make the change while you have capacity and while you're still alive. If you'd like to make an appointment with Brian A. Lowe and Associates, please give them a call at 702-259-0002, or you can look them up online at southernnevadalawyers.com. I'm Brian Black, talking to Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe and Associates. We'll see you next week on Ask the Experts. Thank you, Brian. <laughs>